Turn with me, church, to Numbers chapter 11. Today I'd like to preach a message entitled, You Don't Have to Be Here to Get Blessed. You don't have to be here to get blessed. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we do not worship you to get a feeling. But oh, when we worship you, the feelings that come. The feelings of joy and peace and hope of love. You set our minds right as we set our minds on you and on things that are above. As Patrick said, Lord, when we sing and worship you in spite of our circumstances, our distractions, our issues, we can get caught up so much that we have a loss for words. But I'm so glad that you invite us to come and worship you. You could have left that to the angels in glory alone. But you allowed us to come. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And because we know your son, he is the door of heaven. He is the one who brings us to you. And he shows us your love. There is none like you, Lord. If I could sing, I would sing it. But I'll make a joyful noise. I'll bless you. That as we worship you, Lord, we are operating in, really, Lord, the modus operandi of why you created us. You created us to give you glory. And we thank you, God, that throughout all eternity, We'll get to worship you in glorified bodies, undistracted, undeterred, unmoved, never getting tired. <laughs> but until that day, you give us glimpses and tastes of glory that causes our soul to yearn for and want more of you. So, Lord, as we sang, come fill this place in this atmosphere, we're really pointing a thumb at ourselves. Come fill me. Fill me. I need your presence. Fill me. My flesh is a beast. It has a mind of its own. But God, fill me. And as we'll see today, Lord, fill this temple, which each and every one of us happen to be a temple. God, I pray for a rhema word in this hour. I pray for a breakthrough for me as well as for those who will hear the words coming out of my mouth. I pray, Lord, for revelation today. And I pray for the lost. If there is anyone here who is not a child of God, who has not experienced your love by way of adoption, that today they might say, what must I do to be saved? And we won't tell them, join the church. We won't tell them, Get baptized. 
will tell them to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Save somebody, oh God, and edify the body. For I pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake alone and all of God's people said, amen, amen. Does anybody have a hand praise for Jesus? Come on, give Jesus a hand praise. Come on, give him glory. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You don't have to be here to get blessed. Doc, they're not all coming back. And you need to get used to it. Doc, they're not all coming back. And you need to get used to it. These are the words I heard in July at a pastor's conference as we were trying to navigate through this season of COVID and the impact that it has had on corporate worship. One of the speakers got up and said, Doc, they're not all coming back. And in the black church tradition, when you say doc, that is another term for pastor. Pastor, they're not all coming back. Get used to it. And for many pastors, these words are hard for many of them to hear. Not for me, thank God, but for many pastors who are more traditional in their approach. But whether we like it or not, we are now operating ministries that are hybrid because of COVID. I said whether we like it or not, we are operating ministries and many of you, your businesses, your jobs, the schools our children attend or that we attend, we are now operating hybrid because of COVID. A hybrid is a new thing that comes from combining two different things. So therefore, a hybrid ministry or a hybrid church combines being in the building and being online. Uh, Y'all don't hear me this morning. I know we've been used to it because we've been operating this way before COVID hit. We have been present and we have been online. But many churches around the corner, around the country rather, have only been online. In, in present, in person, not online. And they've had to develop an online presence. And so it hit them hard. Many churches, many traditional churches. But now we are forced to be in the building and online. We, we must be local and global, which is not a bad thing. Because Jesus said that the gospel must be preached to all four ends of the, of the earth, and then the end will come. And through technology, we are able to get the word out in ways we never have been before. And for one of those pastors who was struggling at this conference, because on Wednesday nights in Atlanta, Georgia, he expected his congregation to be in the building for Bible study. I said in Atlanta, Georgia. On Wednesday evening, with all of the traffic, picking your kids up from sports and trying to get a meal and get into the building in time for Bible study on Wednesday evening, that pastor's numbers went down exponentially. 
And he struggled as he was sitting inside of this mega church with just a few people in attendance for Bible study. But one of his parishioners came alongside and said, Pastor, I know you're a little saddened that there are not many, as he said, butts in seats. But have you seen our numbers online? Because normally for Bible study, after folks do all of that stuff to get to church under all of that stress, there's about 400 people in this building on Wednesday, but online there are over 2,000. So pastor, I know that you miss butts in seats, but look what God is doing to expand his kingdom online because you'll never get that many on a Wednesday night in the building, but you have that many now online. Pastor, is it about you or is it about seeing this grace grow and expand to more and more people? You see, we are in a season where we are high tech, but unfortunately, low touch. Now, now, even though we're here, we're still low touch. And you have your mass and, and you're seated separately and things like that. And, and I told Pastor Jerry, I so miss the meet and greet time at Strong Tower Bible Church, where we would spend five, sometimes 10 minutes going around greeting everybody and hugging on everybody. Man, I miss that. And Lord willing, that time will come again. But, but here's what I also said to Pastor Jerry. But after church, when the church service is technically over, many of y'all are still hanging around in pockets, fellowshipping and hugging on each other. Because that's the love that's in the body of Christ. High tech, but unfortunately low touch. We are a hybrid ministry now. But thankfully, God is still Emmanuel with us. And he is with us in this season of adjustment and transition as he has been with the church in every season since the day of Pentecost and the people of God ever since he called Abraham. God is with us. And in our text today... Moses has a problem. <laughs> In our text today, Numbers chapter 11, Brother Mo has a problem. He finds himself overworked and under stress. Y'all thought I was going to say underpaid. No, homeboy was under stress. He has a congregation of about 605,000 men on foot not counting women and children. So therefore, the congregation that he inherited that came out of Egypt and through the Red Sea could have been approximately 2 million people. And he is leading them to a better place, a promised land that no one has ever seen or been to before. So therefore, their walk, just like ours, is a walk of faith. You and I have never been to heaven, but that's where we're going. Amen. We've never been there, but, but that's our hope. That's our faith. And so like them, they had never been to the promised land, so they're walking by faith. However, the people's complaining became so bad that Moses asked God to kill him. <laughs> oh, I know you don't believe me. So let me read this. This won't come on the screen, but it is in your Bible. Numbers chapter 11, beginning at verse 14. Moses says, I am not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. 
And he's talking to God. If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now. If I have found favor in your sight and do not let me see my wretchedness. In other words, he's ready to quit the ministry and he's ready to quit life. <laughs> he said, Lord, 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 I pray that you'll kill me. And before Luther said it, he said, here and now, I pray that you kill me here and now. Because I can't take this stuff no more. Because, Lord, they were complaining about we don't have no water. Then they were complaining about we don't have anything to eat. You gave them water and you rained down cornflakes from on high called manna. And they thanked you for it. But after that, they said, we want meat. And Moses said, Lord, how am I going to get these complaining Christian folks in this wilderness some meat to eat? Then that's when he said, God, I, I just can't take this anymore. And he says, Lord, take my life. But he says, if I found favor in your sight. In other words, you know, take my life as long as me and you are cool with each other. That way I know I'm going to be with you after my life is taken. <laughs> so he did have some common sense, even though he was losing his mind. Moses felt like an aerosol can. You know aerosol cans. They have inscriptions on them saying, warning, contents under extreme pressure, handle with care. You know, them aerosol can, because if you expose them to too much heat, there'll be an explosion. <laughs> and Moses was under extreme pressure. Contents were under pressure. Homeboy was about to explode, implode, and everything in between. He was falling apart. And the man who trusted God to defeat Pharaoh is asking God to kill him because of the affliction being brought on him by his congregation of two million. In other words, he had faith for Pharaoh, but he don't have faith for them folk. Can I let you in real quick to the life of a pastor? One who's a shepherd where sometimes it feel like you're herding cats rather than leading sheep. Because these folk were all over the place. And uh, uh, we always talk about pastors who abuse sheep. And we should deal with that because there are many abusive men and women in positions of leadership all around the world who, who take their uh, uh, brokenness out on God's people, manipulate and all kinds of things and harass and hurt God's people. So there are pastors who hurt sheep. But how many of us talk about sheep who hurt pastors? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh-oh. That's right, Brother Ron. Uh-oh. We don't know about that one. Sheep that hurt pastors. I know many a pastor who jumped out of ministry because of sheep bite. Oh, yeah. Sheep bite. Not snake bite, but sheep bite. Because <laughs> some of them sheep got teeth like wolves. But anyway, I know a little bit about the stress of being a pastor. You, you can't do this for as long as God has graced me to do this. And you know, I have moments where it's like, Lord, I quit. Lord, I give up. God, I understand why Moses struck the rock and called them people rebels. So you can't mess with Moses. He, he was the meekest man on the face of the earth. Now, he wrote that about himself, so watch that. He said, I'm the meekest man on the face of the earth. Yet homeboy could explode with an anger problem because he killed an Egyptian with his bare hands. Don't mess with Mo. 
And then every now and then, Mo be like, Lord, oh my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. He had this thing in him. And I understand that where you want to have the ministry of the laying on of hands, not for the Holy Ghost to come through. But anyway, you, you, sometimes folk will just push a pastor. And I ain't been saved all my life. I'm a man of God, but I'm still a man. And if you step to me wrong, you better hope. Holy Spirit, you are well. You better hope I'm filled. And submit it. Because you can catch me at the wrong time. And man, I, a year ago, a year ago, September 12th, 2020, a year ago today, I was in the emergency room of Vanderbilt University, suffering from sheep bite. Ha! You didn't know that. Some of you may have known, but a year ago, while we're celebrating our 25th anniversary, I had a trigger situation. Something triggered uh, uh, anxiety in me. Something, an interaction with one of the old sheep of Strong Tower triggered trauma in me. And my heart began beating so rapidly that I had to call Elder Joe. And he came to my house on a Saturday morning. And he said, Pastor, I want you to run up and down the stairs and I want to check your heart. I want you to do this and do that. I want to check your heart. And he heard this irregular heartbeat. And he said, Pastor, you need to go to the emergency room right now. And I said, Pastor Joe, I can't go. Pastor Joe's like, why? I said, Joe... I've got a wedding to perform today. And Joe's looking at me like, now listen here, man. <laughs> you need to go to the hospital and call somebody else, Pastor Jerry, somebody else, do this wedding. I said, I can't. They're coming in from out of town. So he go to a shepherd. Jesus already laid down his life for the sheep. I guess I'm trying to be like Jesus and lay mine down too. And I said, okay, I, I, let me do the wedding. And Joe said, okay, do the wedding. But your wife is going to drive you to the wedding, and then she's going to drive you from the wedding to the emergency room at Vanderbilt. We did that. Went to the wedding, performed the wedding. Dorena took me to Vanderbilt. They put me in. Everything was masked up, especially during that time. And I was sitting in the emergency room virtually by myself. And I'm sitting here. It's the church's 25th anniversary. Tomorrow, I'm supposed to be watching church online in my house because we pre-recorded everything. But I'm watching church online from a hospital bed in Vanderbilt University, having been diagnosed with premature atrial complex, which is brought about when your heart fires faster than it needs to. And it can be brought about by caffeine. And the doctor's like, do you drink caffeine? I'm like, no, I don't. It can be brought about by drugs. Are you doing drugs? No, I am not doing drugs. And then they said a couple other things. I'm like, no, I don't qualify for that. And then they said, um, is your sleep interrupted? I said, yes. They said, are you under stress? I said, yes. Well, this condition, premature atrial complex, can be brought on by those things. And so I got out of the hospital on Sunday, and from there I had to go and get EKGs and all these other kind of things because my heart was off because of stress. So I understand warning contents under extreme pressure handle with care. Well, what was God's solution for Moses? 
God's solution for Moses was found in verse 16. So the Lord said to Moses, gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand there with you. Then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take up the spirit that is upon you and will put the same upon them and they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it yourself alone. So God says, I'm going to give you help. (laughs) Jethro, your father-in-law, told you in Exodus 18, you needed some help. I don't know how much you really listened to your father-in-law, but now here you are ready to implode and explode. You're ready to die. You need help. So I'm going to give you 70 elders, 70 leaders, and and I'm going to take the spirit that is on you that I gave you and place it on them. Why? Because during this dispensation, the Holy Spirit did not rest on everybody. In the Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit was selective and his presence conditional upon those on whom he rested. He would rest on prophets, priests, kings, uh, and and judges. He he would rest on the people and even artisans, the, the people who helped craft the tabernacle, the spirit. He was very selective on who he rested upon. But when Jesus died, And the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom, giving all of us access to God. So on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit was poured out on all flesh. But in the Old Testament, it was some flesh. And his staying upon you was conditional to your obedience to God. Samson, anyone? Because when Samson started to disobey, that judge lost his anointing. Uh, But in the new covenant, the Holy Spirit won't leave us because Ephesians 4.30, we are sealed with him until the day of redemption. He's not going anywhere. He won't leave us even though we grieve him every day. It's love. It's love. So the finished work of Jesus says that the work that I began in you, I will complete until the day of redemption. And the Holy Spirit is a guarantee. He is a deposit of your redemption. And every child of God who trusts in Jesus receives the Holy Spirit. But not so in Numbers chapter 11. Moses was not only pastoring a congregation of two million folk, but these were two million folk without the Holy Spirit. But God says, I'm going to give you 70 guys with the Spirit to help you bear this burden. Now, look with me at verse 24. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took of the spirit that was upon him and placed the same upon the 70 elders. How many know it's the Holy Spirit that makes the difference in our lives and our ministries and everything we do? We need help. We need to rely on the helper. And so the Lord places the same upon the 70 elders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. But two men had remained in the camp. The name of one was Eldad and the name of the other Medad. And the spirit rested on them. Now, they were among those listed, but who had not gone out 
to the tabernacle, yet they prophesied in the camp. Ah, so God shows up on this special day. And for whatever reason, me, dad, and Eldad did not come to the tabernacle. In other words, they didn't come to the church. They didn't come to the tent of meeting. They stayed in the camp, meaning that they stayed home in their own tent. They knew they were selected to be part of the 70. Yet two of them decided to stay in the camp, meaning that they stayed home. I hope you're following me, with me. Why didn't these two men come to the tabernacle like the other 68 leaders? Why did they stay in the camp? Why didn't they come to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting? Well, when we read the Bible, we don't know why. The Bible does not tell us the reason for why Eldad and Medad stayed home. Therefore, the application to this point is, it must not be any of our business. I should have got an amen there. Uh, uh, uh. If God wanted us to know why they stayed home, he'd have told us. But God didn't tell us because it's none of our business. And some of us look self-righteously at people who don't come to church. We were doing it before COVID. We're really doing it now, being self-righteous judges. And we're judging people for not being at the tabernacle. And we don't know their reasons, and they don't have to tell us their business. We are not the judges. God is the judge. And people answer to him and not to us because there is a myriad of reasons for why people in our culture are not coming to church, the tabernacle, this day. Matter of fact, I had two of our members let me know today that they would not be here at church because of extenuating circumstances. Now, I appreciate them telling me that, but they didn't have to. But it's kind of a thing, if you don't see me today, here's the reason why. Two members told me that. And one involved COVID. And so there's a myriad of reasons why people don't come to church. But here's the good news. God's spirit rested on them even though they weren't at the tabernacle. Don't let that go over your head. Don't miss that. God's spirit rested on them even though they weren't at the tabernacle. They were at home. Yes, it was God's idea for them to come to the tabernacle. He said that in verse 16. Yet, he allowed them to stay home and they still got blessed. The ideal, yeah, come on to the tabernacle. But the ordeal of life will happen to keep you from coming to the tabernacle. And the God who invites you to come to the tabernacle not only blesses the people at the tabernacle, but blesses those people who stay home. He poured out his spirit on the 68 in the tabernacle and on the two who stayed in the camp. I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. You don't have to be at the tabernacle to get touched. Uh -huh. you, you don't have to be in the church in order to have a blessing. You don't have to be in the building to have an experience with God. The Holy Spirit 
One of his attributes is that he's everywhere all the time, meaning that he's omnipresent. He's at the tabernacle and he's in the camp with folk at home. This means the Holy Spirit is not only holy, but he's hybrid. He's here and he's there. My God. He's here with us and he's here and he's there with you at home. He's here with us at church and he's with folk at the hospital. He's here with us at church and he's with church with people who are incarcerated. He's here with us at church and he's there with people who are in nursing homes. He's here with us in church and he's there with people who are in their cars worshiping even on airplanes tuned into Strong Tower Bible Church as I've had people tell me while they're in the air they're sending messages man that worship today that word today ministry is now hybrid because of COVID and God freely gave his spirit to people at the tabernacle freely gave his spirit and he freely gave his spirit to people in the camp this means that God ministers freely and simultaneously to people who are here and there. Did you get that? They're at the camp and at the tabernacle. His spirit is given freely and he ministers simultaneously. So his ministry is not limited to a location. Oh, I wish I had somebody to pray with me. His ministry is not limited to a location. He is not bound to a building. But a lot of us have that stinking thinking that think that God is limited to a location or he's bound to a building. Oh, I'm, I'm going to tear that apart in a minute. Although you and I can't be in two places at once, God is. <laughs> he's in every place at once. His spirit is everywhere. And when we do missions in the quote-unquote third world, or even down in the hood. We are not taking Jesus to them. We are not taking God to them. God is already there. So we got to get out of that mindset, that arrogance that the Western church unfortunately has. In John chapter 4, when Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman, she wants to talk about going to church. And she said, um, we worship God here as Samaritans uh, in, in, in Samaria uh, on Mount Gerizim because Samaritans had built a temple in Mount Gerizim to rival the one in Jerusalem uh, that Herod had repaired under Zerubbabel, Herod's temple. And because Samaritans were not welcome around Jews, but yet Samaritans claimed the same God as the Jews, they worship him at their temple in Mount Gerizim. And so she says to Jesus that basically uh, 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 we're going to worship God over here at Mount Gerizim. But can I read you what the master said to her? Jesus said in, in Matthew, excuse me, John chapter 4, verse 20. He says, our fathers worship on this mountain. Excuse me, that, that, that's what she said, excuse me. She said, our fathers worship on this mountain, which is Mount Gerizim. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. In other words, two temples, the one here and one there. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. 
We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So Jesus is saying it's not at y'all's temple or at the Jews' temple. Worship is not about a place, it's about the heart. Worshiping God in spirit, not necessarily in a temple. Because there's coming a time where there won't be a temple there or a temple here because you like buildings so much. Jesus said this temple is going to be destroyed. You Jews are worshiping the temple and missing God. But I tell you what, God's going to tear that idol down because the temple which started as a good thing became an idol becoming a bad thing and it was torn down in AD 70. So they had no temple But the question is, did they still have God? Because God is not bound to a building or limited to a location. God never asked Israel for a building. He never asked them for a building. He was content with a tent. Uh Uh-huh. The tabernacle of me. He was content with that. So when David said to God, I want to build you a house, God said to David, I never asked you nor any of the other Hebrews to build me a house. I never asked for a house. Well, I'm content with a tent. And God had to use this to, to deal with me many, many, many years ago because your pastor had building-itis. Yeah, young preacher, I had building-itis. Elder Sherm was back there. Chauncey was back there during those days. Everything, we, man, we need a building. We need, and God said, oh, yeah, I'm providing you a building. Uh, the YMCA, uh, 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 Franklin uh, High School, I'm providing buildings. Well, God, what I'm really saying is I want a building that we can own. Well, I met your needs for buildings because you don't need a building to be the church. Uh, just be the church. I'll take care of what you need, and right now I'm giving you stuff you're renting. Well, God, all the other preachers, there it is, all the other preachers. There it is. There it is. All the other preachers got buildings of their own with their name out front and all that. He's like, are you building buildings or building my kingdom? I had building items. He had to work that out of me. And when he delivered me, then he said, okay, now I'm going to give you your own because I can trust that you won't worship the church, but you'll worship at the church. I'm going to give you one on Granny White. My God. So buildings, buildings. and, and, And Solomon. The wisest man on earth who ended up building the building that his daddy couldn't build because his hands had shed war, uh, blood through, through war. Solomon builds the temple that David could not build. He, he had all the plans and all that. And, and on the day, on the day when they built and finished the temple and all the gold tapestries everywhere, The Bible says that Solomon lifted his hands before the congregation and he said, the wisest man said, Lord, this temple nor the highest heavens can contain your glory. So he knew the building was limited, that that the building, as great as it was, as beautiful as it was, could not contain the glory of God. As a matter of fact, The glory of God fell. Holy Spirit, you are welcoming. The Spirit fell that day. And guess what? The Spirit was so thick, the manifest presence of God, the Shekinah glory, so thick that the priest couldn't even enter into the building in order to minister. We got the building to go inside of it. God sends his glory down, and we can't even go in. 
Maybe that's the message to us that it's not about what happens in the building, but it's what happens outside of the building because on the day of Pentecost when they were in a house, not a church building, they were in the house, the Holy Spirit fell, they didn't stay in the house. Where'd they go? To the streets, Michael McDonald. Taking it to the streets. They went to the streets. What good is getting filled in here if we don't go out there? (laughs) Come on, church. It's true. What good is jumping and shouting in here if we don't jump and shout out there and walk straight when we come down? It's not how high you jump in the Holy Ghost. It's how straight you walk when you come down. And the world want to see, can you walk what you're talking? Is Jesus real? You sing about Jesus is real. Show me that he's real. It don't happen in the building. It happens in the marketplace. Is he real? Because if Jesus is only real for an hour and a half on Sunday, you don't worship Jesus. You worship religion. I know that hurt, but it's right. And we all need to take inventory. He doesn't want us limiting our worship to a building. We foolishly think our churches can contain God. We think our denominations can contain God. We think our country can contain God. We think our theology can contain God. We think our race and our ethnicity can contain God. We think our political party can contain God. But God cannot be contained. He is transcendent, which means He is other than. He he is above any and everything we could ever comprehend. How can you contain the Alpha and the Omega? How can you contain the Almighty God? How can you contain the beginning and the end? How can you contain the chief cornerstone? How can you contain the door of heaven? How can you contain the express image of God? How can you contain the faithful witness? How can you contain the good shepherd? How can you contain the Holy One of God? How can you contain Emmanuel? How can you contain Jehovah? How can you contain the king of kings and the lord of lords how can you contain the mediator how can you contain the one from nazareth how can you contain the omnipresent one how can you contain the prince of peace how can you contain the righteous root of god how can you contain the son of the living god the true and living word how can you contain him When the building stops being an instrument and it becomes a monument, you in trouble. It's an instrument. So in Numbers chapter 11, after the spirit falls, my God, we need the spirit. The spirit falls. Verse 27, everybody should be happy. But a young man ran and told Moses, always some tattletale. Always some nosy folk. A young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and me, Dad, are prophesying in the camp. In other words, they're at home. And the Holy Spirit hit them at home. And they're prophesying at home. So Joshua, verse 28, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of his choice men, answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. <laughs> Moses, stop them. Once again, it's going to always be legalists who will say, if they're not here with us, 
they're not really with God. If they're not in the tabernacle with us, I don't care what's going on at home, they're not with God. Moses, tell them to stop. That's legalism that, that thinks your way is God's way. But your way is not God's way. It's a way. And there are many ways in the kingdom to experience the one true and living God. Because if God gave his spirit freely to undeserving people, why would Moses try to stop that? Let me ask a better question. How could Moses stop that? Moses, tell them to stop. Moses, I can't tell them to stop experiencing God. I love his answer. I love his answer. Look at verse 29. Then Moses said to him, are you zealous for my sake? For real? I think this is more about you than it is about me. It surely ain't about God. Then he says, oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. <laughs> he said, I wish everybody, I wish everybody had the Holy Spirit upon them. Because good leaders want to see all of God's people flourish, whether they are in the tabernacle or in the camp. Whether you are a minister of this church, a, a, a member of this church, or a member of God's kingdom, a good pastor, a good Christian wants to see everybody flourish. In other words, flourishing is not just found here at this church. <laughs> flourishing happens at other churches. But there are pastors and denominations who have this foolish thought that they are the church of Christ. And anyone outside of their denomination is not saved. And you got to be baptized in their church. <laughs> you got to be discipled by their people or you're not part of the kingdom. If that ain't some foolishness, I don't know what is. God's spirit is not limited to a location or to a group of people. Okay, you're saying, Pastor, I don't believe you. I'm glad you said that. Let's go over to Luke chapter 9. Luke, Luke chapter 9. Because this, this didn't begin with Moses' crew. Or rather, it may have began with them, but, but we see it again in the New Testament. Luke chapter 9. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem in order to lay his life down for the world. He's going to die. He's going to carry the sins of the world. He got a focus he need to maintain. And here come his people that's supposed to be bearing burdens and they're creating them. Pastor, what you talking about? Look at Luke chapter 9, verse 49. Now, John answered and said, Master, this is John, you know, who wrote uh, the gospel of John. John, who is the disciple that Jesus loved. That's what he said in his book, right? But he's also one of the sons of thunder, which means homeboy got a little attitude problem too, okay? So we're all in process, right? So this John says, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we forbade him because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, do not forbid him for he who is not against us is on our side. Moses would really emulate what Jesus would say in his ministry. Man, leave them folk alone. I'm glad they're ministering. I'm glad they have the Holy Spirit. I'm glad they're flourishing. Because if they're not against us, they're with us. They don't have to be in our church to be with God. 
And we don't have to be over there with them to be with God. God's spirit moves upon different groups of people. And apparently Jesus did not check in with the disciples first before he empowered some folk who were not a part of the 12 to cast some devils out. You know, Jesus didn't come by and say, do y'all mind if I let some other folk have some of this Holy Ghost power? No, no, he didn't ask them. And he didn't need that permission either. He just blessed those folk. And you had John trying to forbid them, just like the young man in Joshua, Numbers chapter 11, trying to forbid the moving of the Holy Spirit. So what's the point, Pastor? You don't have to be in the tabernacle in order to experience the filling and the moving of the Holy Spirit. You can be in the camp. You can be at your house. Remember, before we could even come back in this building, we had to spend so many Sundays worshiping at home. And there were so many Sundays where the Holy Spirit invaded my living room. I knew what was coming in the worship. He still invaded. I knew what was coming in the word I preached. He still invaded. And we had talks and discussions after church like we don't normally have here. But at home, home church, the Holy Ghost was, man, he was moving in a special and sweet way. So never put folk down because they're not here, because you are here. God is with them where they are. Okay, last one, last one. I know somebody's saying, well, bro, pastor, bro, pastor, I got a question, brother pastor. <laughs> what about Hebrews chapter 10, uh, where it says we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, pastor? Right, right. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as, the day, as we see the day approaching. So he's saying we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And so I've had pastors say to me, that, that the reason why we don't really get into that, you know, online stuff is because, man, we need to be assembled in the building. And they use Hebrews chapter 10 for that. Well, let me break this down. At the time of the writing of Hebrews, which was between 63 and 65 AD, there weren't any church buildings for the saints. <laughs> there weren't any church buildings buildings for the saints, and there were hardly ever any mass gatherings. Church buildings came after Constantine, Emperor Constantine of Rome, declared Christianity the state religion in 313 AD. And so because this emperor got behind Christianity, unlike Nero and other emperors who killed Christians, this emperor supposedly had a conversion and he makes Christianity the state religion, meaning that Christianity is acceptable now so it can come up from underground and be overground because it is accepted. And many of the underground churches, which I'm going to prove in a moment, met in homes. They then started meeting in the vacated pagan temples that were dedicated to those gods. So that's when buildings came along in the fourth century. So when Hebrews is written, there's no one church building where Christians would get together. Where did they get together? Well, according to the Bible, when they came together for Sunday worship gatherings, man, it took place outdoors or in people's houses. 
There wasn't a, a structure like this. And even when they went to the temple, the Bible says, they met on Solomon's porch outside. Because you're not getting 3,000 people into the temple. That, that's not the mindset. You were on the temple grounds, and that allowed you to be in the presence of God. So much of the worship for the early church was outside under Solomon's portico or Solomon's porch. And then from there, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, that they went from house to house. What's up with this house to house stuff? Well, throughout Acts, there are so many uh, uh, instances of believers being in houses, not in church buildings. Acts 20.20 20, 20 says, Paul says, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. Publicly, out in the open, out in the marketplace, out by the riverside, Acts chapter 16, and from house to house. My God. Romans 16.5, likewise, greet the church that is in their house. 1 Corinthians 16, 19, the churches in Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. Colossians 4, 15, greet the brothers who are in Laodicea and Nymphos and the church that is in your house. Philemon 1, 2, to the beloved Aphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house house. If anything, the folks who are at home right now, y'all more biblical than the folks who are here gathered in the church building. Do I need to say that again? We're more biblical when we're at home worshiping because God wants to know, is he impacting your house? Because a lot of us come to church and we say he impacted us, but it doesn't show up in our house. What good is coming here getting your shout and your praise on and you go home and get your curse on? Something wrong, something wrong, something wrong. There's a disconnection there. God says, I'd rather you stay home and let me minister in your home than you come here and you play church. That's the problem. That's why a lot of people don't want to come to Jesus because a lot of hypocrites, play actor, wearing a mask. We wear these holy masks. But when we leave the church, the mask comes off and the real us emerges. Who are you for real? Church is just an overflow of what is happening in your life throughout the week where we gather with other believers and we encourage each other. We exhort one another as we see the day approaching. So we can assemble at home or in a building. We can assemble online or in the church. So in the conclusion I have... You don't have to be here to get blessed, Strong Tower. You don't have to be here to get blessed. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent, which means he's hybrid. And in this season of COVID, many of God's people are not coming back to corporate worship in the building. And they are taking advantage of technology to worship God with us online. And I want to say to the members of Strong Tower, some of you, I will see you out in the marketplace. I saw some of you at the movie the other night to support Elder Sherman. The movie is phenomenal. You got to go see it. And I saw some people who don't normally come to church on Sunday morning in the building, but they're worshiping online. And, and some of them felt bad that I saw them at the movie theater, but I don't see them in here. But I'm like, no, that, 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 that's self stuff in you. I, I'm not projecting that onto you. Because again, I don't know your situation. 
Because wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I believe it's verse 17. Wherever he's working, there's freedom. Not rules and regulations and laws and condemnation and judgment and guilt. Where the Lord is working, there's freedom. And I want him to work in this church, which means there has to be freedom in this church. No judging. I don't know what folk are going through. And I just want to say, just because I don't see you in this building, that does not mean you are not a part of this family. Just because I don't see you in this building on Sundays, that doesn't mean that you're not a part of this church family. Just because I don't see you on Sunday, that does not mean that I'm not your pastor. I'm your pastor, and Strong Tower is your home church. Just like trouble don't last always, this season won't last always, but we may forever be a hybrid ministry because of physical conditions, challenges, whatever. And we have to adjust our thinking to be local and global, present and online. We have to be. This is the era that we're in in this season. But I must give my online family and church members a word of warning. You may not come to church for corporate worship, but be sure not to fall away from the church. You don't have to come here to be with God. But be careful, though, because 2 Timothy chapter 4, no, 1 Timothy chapter 4, excuse me, verse 1, talks about in the latter days, many will fall away from the faith, believing doctrines taught by demons and having their consciences seared to become hypocritical liars. What's the point? Because you're not around, it's easy to drift. Again, we don't know what you're doing. God knows what you're doing. It's not up for us. But knowing people the way I know myself, I need accountability. And if you don't have accountability, and if you don't have encouragement, it will be easy to drift because then you're thinking out of sight, out of mind. So therefore, if you are a worshiper online, you have to be intentional to stay connected to the local church. You need to be part of prayer. You need to be online for Bible study. Uh, 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 uh. You need to serve wherever you can serve God and his kingdom in the world. If you can't be at the building and on Sunday to serve, you need to still use your gift because we're most spiritual when we use our spiritual gifts. And here's another thing. You need to give. You need to tithe. Because you always need to be reminded whose money it is, which is why we have offerings every week, according to 1 Corinthians 16. God doesn't need the money. It's all his anyway. But we need to acknowledge that it's his money by giving him the first fruits of it every week or every pay period or every chance we get to give. We need to give. But it's easy to slip into not giving at home because you believe somebody else is going to pick it up. No, you need to give for your own sake. And you're not even giving to the church. That's a byproduct of your giving. You are giving to Jesus, the king. So at home, you make sure you grab your phone and put your offering in. All that. Serve. Because it's easy to drift away. How many of y'all ever been on a diet? Mm -hmm, I've been on a diet. And you see some results. You get happy and celebrate and throw yourself off. But anyway, you get on a diet. See some changes. But then over time, you say, why am I eating this stuff again? How, how, how did I start drinking this sweet sugar stuff? What, what am I? I'm not exercising. 
you drifted. And you look up and you overhear out of shape. It's easy to drift spiritually. That's one reason, again, the corporate gathering is good, but also at home you need encouragement and accountability at home because we will drift like sheep. We go astray. And if we're not connected to the shepherd and leaders and folk in the body, we'll drift. And when we drift, that's when we get eaten. When we drift, sometimes it may show that we were never really a part of the body of Christ. So, yes, stay home, but stay connected. Do the best you can to stay connected. Reach out to folk. And the huddle groups are beginning on the last Wednesday of this month. So that's another way to get connected. And then... If you need a church home, because man, yeah, I'm a part of the body of Christ, but I need to be a part of a local church, whether local or online. I need to be a member. I need elders and pastors watching for me and praying for me, encouraging me. I need a body to connect with, and I want to make it official. Well, if it's not this church, I pray it's a church somewhere. But this church is having a pre-members class online because we learn how to be hybrid. October 2nd, which is Saturday morning at 9 o'clock a.m. Pastor Jerry will let us know how to connect with that. I don't know all of that stuff. That ain't my business, but there's a barcode or email. I don't know all that. I'm just telling you, I'll be there online (laughs) Saturday, October 2nd, for those who want to ask questions about Strong Tower, if this is the church God would have you to be. All right, for our closing prayer and announcements, I'm calling the bells up here. The bells, uh, Reverend Bell, are you coming too? You're not coming, Reverend Bell? Just Lena? She got it. Man, come up here and stand with your wife, man. (laughs) That's my brother-in-law, y'all. I can't let him off the hook. That's Reverend Bell, everybody. That's Reverend Bell. Amen. Good afternoon, Strong Tower. I've been asked by the Pursue Marriage Ministry to encourage you to join us for a book study resource. It's, the name of it is From Anger to Intimacy. And it's by Dr. Gary Smalley and Dr. Ted Cunningham. This study will give us an opportunity to learn from over 60 years of collective experience on forgiveness. You'll join other marriages ranging from newlyweds to, I look over at Sharon and Sherman, um, seasoned empty nesters, <laughs> and everybody in between. Next slide. This is a time-sensitive message because it starts next Sunday. So please uh, register via our QR code, and two things will happen in this registration. First, you'll be able to register for the class, and second, You'll also have the opportunity to um, order your book. And Amazon also has it, Christian Books, um, and Barnes & Noble. So please register for this class. It starts next Sunday, and we're very sensitive to the timing. We make sure that we start at 8.30, we end at 10 for those who want to come into service or those who want to um, also use the opportunity to serve with us online. 
and I look forward to you joining us. It's just such an enriched experience for you to be with the body of Christ. And even though we all have our different cups of coffee or whatever we're drinking that morning, um, it's, it's encouraging to listen and learn from each other. And I hope you'll join us. Gary and I enjoyed um, the times that we've had with the Pursue Marriage Ministries. And I look forward to you being a part of that as well. Thank you. Would you like for me to... Yes, uh, closing prayer. The students have arrived back from the retreat, so God has been good. Okay. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for um, just allowing us to be able to gather, again, whether it's here in the sanctuary or online, to be able to just get encouraged um, um, and admonished and just being able to hear your word, to be able to go out into our neighborhoods and into work and have it and make a difference for you so lord i pray that as we go out this week that um that we would be able to um to just tell people about you whether it's in our words in our actions lord in our deeds and uh, thank you for just the way that you love us and so lord we uh as we go out we uh, just bless you and look forward to reconvening and just uh, seeing everybody either online on wednesday um, or next sunday so lord we love you in jesus name amen